C C C four 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 four. Your 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 yourself self self self. Welcome to another episode of C for Yourself, the only podcast where every one night stand ends with organ theft. I am your host M C Uno Uno Bang Bang, and I am joined today by um uh Wibby Wibby. Yep, that's that's just gonna be me today. I'm Wibby. Wibby, it is. Uh, uh, aren't we all? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Oh, fuck me. The, the, the same thing has occurred here where uh, you're in the middle of introducing yourself and I'm like, fuck, shit. Uh, and I thought I was being clever. Uh, this time reading backwards through the glass that I'm drinking out of. And then as I turn it around, no, it's, it's actually Wibby. It's just Wibby <laughs> brewing. So um, <laughs> no creativity whatsoever. Damn my impossible talent for <laughs> reading things backwards. Fuck. I have a uh, I have a movie here for you today. Are you ready for a movie? I imagine you come, a movie. You, come to the, you come to this podcast and you're like, oh boy, I hope we don't have to interpret dance because I have no clue what I'm doing on that. God, I can't wait to see what we're doing this week. And now for something a little bit different, a movie. I say like, are you ready for a movie? And you're like, that was the one thing I was not prepared for. <laughs> well, guess I'll put the banjo away. <laughs> you got the you got the like jug of moonshine you were ready to blow into. Like, yeah, yeah, I've been preparing all week and uh fuck i guess roll the movie i I don't even care anymore (laughs) oh shucks (laughs) for all of our uh our bluegrass enthusiasts at home no not not this week damn it we did that uh, that was in season one you have to go back and and find the episode uh, they've been waiting they thought that that was going to be the takeaway from season one it's like out of all the movies we watched history of future folk has impressed upon us the need for bluegrass in life second season is just going to be freestyle bluegrass if only, man. I wish I were talented enough to blow into a moonshine jug. <laughs> I've, I mean, you know, my personal talent has been preparing all of the empty moonshine jugs. <laughs> God bless. <laughs> so the movie I have for you today is entitled The Beyond. Now, did you say that fucked up, or is it actually The Beyond? Yeah, The Beyond. Oh, Beyond. Okay, see, that's that's what I wanted clarification of. The The Beyond. Can I pause this for a second to, um, this is completely unrelated, maybe not quite unrelated, but I was driving home the other day and there was a billboard for the police department, you know, recruiting for the police department, the, the local police department of moonshine country that I live in. And, uh, I couldn't stop laughing because what it said, it was, you know, trying to be clever wordplay in three lines. It was be the difference, be something else. And then it was belong, like just the one word belong. And I, I giggled the whole way home saying be long. <laughs> And that's it. That's it. Just just be long. You know what's fucked up? Immediately when you describe it that way, I just imagine some young couple getting into a fight. You know, it's about something stupid. You know, she's like, oh, I can't believe that, you know, you don't like my parents. And he's like, well, they don't they don't respect my career. You know, I'm a, I'm a struggling artist and they were just shitting on me all night about it. It was really fucked up. And, you know, she's like, God, this fucking relationship sucks. I knew I shouldn't have, you know, invited you to meet them. And then there's like a silence that, you know, falls over the car ride. And she just turns over to that, that poster and she's like, hmm, be long, huh? I wish I had had some long in my life and he's just like nope like pulls over careens off the side of the road everybody dies in a horrific fucking car accident it's a whole thing love it so that's is that 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 is the premise of the movie we're watching right that is absolutely the film yeah i just described the entirety of it all right so we're going to be watching the belong <laughs> the belong <laughs> <laughs> have, you, have you heard of this movie before? Probably, maybe not. Probably not. I'm gonna need to know more of it than that because it's a very uh, sci-fi sounding title. So, so maybe, but maybe not. You did say that you were interested in more sci-fi uh, films. I was. Is is this is this old sci-fi? Is this the the ever optimistic '80s? Oh wow! Uh, so it is a 1981 film. Ba bang! <laughs> but there was a 2017 movie with the same title. I do not know if there's any relation. Okay, fair enough. Do, do you want me to riff off the uh, off the title, or do I get a blurb? You will get a blurb, sir, and I will give it to you now, and I will give it to you. Be long. But be long. Stop in the name of the long. Stop. <laughs> we're gonna. We're not gonna. We're gonna continue in the name of the long. <laughs> One beyond later, and uh, I give the blurb, which reads, A young woman inherits an old hotel only to discover there are creatures lurking in the dark. I'm hoping that this is some sort of... So I remember reading a Lovecraft book. I don't remember the premise of that particular story, but the the takeaway from it that relates to this is that uh, there was this old woman sitting in some house and she starts to like catch on to this like sacred geometry, 
where it's like, you know, this wall doesn't meet this other wall the right way. And it's like the angles shouldn't work that way. And like, it's like a triangle that doesn't quite match what a triangle ought to be. And if you look at it the right way, boom, that's when the, the demons come out or some shit like that. And I would love it to be something like that. But I'm going to guess there's just like monsters in the attic. Let's roll with that idea for a second. What if it is somebody like from the, from their childhood, they have just these thick ass glasses on, right? And their family's like super religious. And they're just like, yep, you're a bad little boy. So you got to, you know, go and do your Hail Marys, blah, 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 blah. Or I guess it's a bad little girl in this case. So, she, you know, she goes and does her Hail Marys or whatever. And whenever she, you know, takes off her glasses, she gets into some kind of trouble. Something bad happens you know, house catches on fire or something or other. Maybe it starts off as like more innocent stuff, you know, uh, she gets caught with like a cigarette or some shit, you know? Right. She just thinks, you know, oh yeah, I was a kid and I was a little wild child. Ha ha ha. But as an adult, whenever she takes off her glasses, she has these like horrifying nightmares, demons and shit, you know, fucking horrifying. It's discovered that like kind of the same thing you were saying, where if you just look at it just right, the beyond is her ability to see beyond like what's directly in front of her with her like nearsightedness. Like it helps her to see into this other dimension and, the, and maybe the demons can see her too or whatever that that'd be kind of cool i do like that is this a purely horror movie do i get a genre mm, sure yeah you can know the genre if you'd like because i'm i'm imagining a horror slash comedy is this i'm sorry did you say this was a hotel or just an old house hotel was the word used yes yes all right so beyond this hotel there is an extra planar hotel that we're going to investigate you know there's, there's the normal hotel it's like a nice little bed and breakfast somewhere in the scottish countryside i'm gonna call that um <laughs> <laughs> going, going right for it huh yeah yeah we're just um as much detail as i can so in the scottish uh islands there's a hotel and it's just a quaint little you know they, they have a haggis and mushrooms for breakfast or whatever but there is a beyond there is an upside down world perhaps where extra planar entities are just you know they have their own hotel and it's just a very normal hotel but with people with three heads and bullshit like that that sounds fun but anyways is it a comedy or not so i'll give you the specs for the movie it is rated r oh dear it was made in 1981 okay it is one hour and 20 minutes long a god-fearing runtime yes them yes fucking hashtag <laughs> praise it <laughs> saving us 10 whole minutes you know what i can do with 10 minutes <laughs> fucking anything everything <laughs> everything yeah i can i can be long <laughs> i could even be on <laughs> The genre is horror slash supernatural. So, so maybe not the comedy that I was thinking, but I'm going to stick with that premise where there is a an extra planar hotel and perhaps people are getting stuck in it and turned into hell Hellraiser folk. We have had recently on the podcast a handful of times where it was like, oh, the movie's going to be a uh, like a like a supernatural thriller, but there's like no supernatural element or like a psychological thriller, but there's no like they're not talking about like any mental like phenomenon or anything like that it's literally just like yeah the, the movie's thoughtful so we slapped the word psychological on it you know what i mean so it's very possible this could be a similar situation this is just uh what's that horror movie with daniel radcliffe like the the black house or whatever oh um the the woman in the in the window or something or other yeah so I'm sure it's just gonna it's gonna be that but um it's supernatural because the woman in black so we kind of we both kind of had like half of it <laughs> the woman the the black woman in the window don't put that in there <laughs> the black woman in the house. <laughs> Ooh, scary. Oh, shit. <laughs> we get worse and worse every time we record together. You know, know. that, right? <laughs> Is it? I'm, I'm trying to figure out if it's like, if it's, it's clearly my influence, right? Like, this isn't coming from you. Damn it, moonshine country ruining everything. <laughs> You're doing a terrible job of talking about the actual movie at hand. <laughs> I'm trying. They're in the Scottish Highlands. Um, <laughs> and that's that's the supernatural part. In the attic is Sean Connery screaming Highlander. <laughs> Go give the woman a schlep. <laughs> you just gotta give her a schlep, Daniel Radcliffe. Get in, get in there, Harry. Christ. <laughs> I mean, once again, I'm setting myself up for disappointment. This movie's... It's, it's not going to be anything I want it to be. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> are there going to be any actors that we recognize in this film? I mean, yeah, Daniel Radcliffe, Sean Connery, and we need we need a female actor. Um, Sandra Bullock. Hell yeah, yeah, <laughs> nailed it. Uh, I like how you've uh, not only decided that this movie takes place in the Scottish Highlands, but you've you've also decided that this is a purely Hollywood production. <laughs> 
<laughs> Nothing but this is clearly an A-lister right here. I mean, shame on anybody that turned this down. Yeah, this was like in the 1980s. A lot of these actors, nobody really knows them all that well. And this is their like first chance to really get out there. This is Daniel Radcliffe as a two-year-old. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Lord. For the record, I know we didn't say anything about this. I also have not seen the movie. You also have not seen the movie. Both of us have not seen this movie. Oh, okay. So it's a golden episode today. If I had to make a, a, a prediction about The Beyond, I really do hope there is a sci-fi angle more than a supernatural angle. I know we, we saw that word supernatural, but I am hoping Beyond does have like that sci-fi element to it where it's like they go out into space or something like that. Maybe that's what they discover. Like the creatures are coming from like a closet in that in the hotel where like it just takes them to another planet you know no i like that there's um there was this science fiction book that i really liked as a kid and it wasn't a very big book this was like when they just had little serial prints of like i don't know 120 page little basically pamphlets and the premise was on this property that these two i don't know i'll call them teenagers but they were like basically kids these two kids are running around on the property and they find like an old tool shed you know just like a shed in the back lot of the property and if you were in the shed time moved like exponentially faster so you know one of the kids they were twins um and he's like i'm tired of being equated to my brother i'm just going to live in there for what would be a year for me and mere hours for my brother and so he gets in there and he starts living for a year in basically isolation and then he comes to find out coming up through the drain of this shed is some world devouring monster or some shit like that and so he must stay there to keep an eye on it because if he if he gets out of the shed then time and for the monster will be moving exponentially fast compared to everybody on earth and and he can't just let that happen that's the movie it's just that that whole thing is the movie right now that's so tragic isn't it I, I'm, I'm shedding one singular tear right now just this one i'll shed the other but that's i just it, things like that where it's like i would love for this to be the lovecraftian horror where there's there's a closet that leads to a whole nother hotel and that hotel filled with the most unimaginable monsters that you can't possibly let wreak havoc on this reality and maybe the owner of the hotel as the hotel is getting passed down through the generations each owner goes missing because they have to take their turn defending earth from these extraplanar entities from the beyond. Stop, man. You're going to make me be cry. I'm just, I'm writing movie scripts. See for yourself has done it better again. I do have a question for you because, you know, we talk about this a lot. We, we sort of hope that a movie will have like good representation for a, a certain group. And we have a woman lead. You know, there's, there's a woman leading this film. I want to know, do you think that the young woman who inherits the old hotel is going to, uh, is she going to be good representation for women or is she just going to be like, oh no, I'm naked all the time. Whatever will I do? <laughs> My boobies can't defend these, defend against these horrible monsters. Help me. No, God, the only way to defend this hotel is by removing clothes. God, that's, I swear to God, that has to be plot for an anime. I know it is. Oh, for sure. In my head, I want to see a strong older woman lead. You know what I mean? Like an Aunt May, but like the real Aunt May, not, not slutty Aunt May. <laughs> <laughs> not uh not uh let's go on a date happy aunt may but rather peter you have to steady yourself and think about what's good for other people <laughs> how did we yes. how did we go from that to this <laughs> i don't know well because i i don't want to i, I would love to see that same Aunt May. I want to see Peter Parker's Aunt May, the old lady Aunt May. I would love to see her in this lead role running this Scottish Highland bed and breakfast. That's perfect for me. But I did cast Sandra Bullock, so I don't think that's going to happen. You, know, you don't want to go back on that uh, on that promise there. We don't we don't want that. Right. I mean, the contract's written. I don't want to owe her for it. Yeah. Rosemary Harris, by the way, is the Aunt May you're looking for. And and that's that's our female lead now, right? Right? Well, uh, you're going to have to talk to Sandra Bullock. I mean... Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe maybe after you watch this movie, you can pitch her this movie as if it's the movie you're trying to get her to star in. And she'll be like, oh, that's so bad. Oh, the original idea was much better. Is this really what you guys are going with? And you go, mm -hmm, I'm afraid uh, the executives, you know, what are you going to do? <laughs> she'll get out of her contract and uh, you can have uh, Rosemary Harris instead. But that that's what I hope. I think I've just described the dilemma that you've posed to me as a question and in, in that I would love to cast Rosemary Harris. But unfortunately, Hollywood has cast Sandra Bullock. To be fair, 
hair, both to Sandra Bullock and Hollywood at large. I would prefer Rosemary Harris in any woman's role. There's a woman on screen. I'm like, Rosemary Harris would have done this better. Why aren't you Rosemary Harris? Every damn time. Doesn't matter what the role is. Don't care. Don't care. Well, uh, we'll do it like Vertigo. Like, put on the white wig. It's like, do you really need me to? <laughs> <laughs> Tell me good advice for living a good life, goddammit. You're making good choices. <laughs> We're coming up on that time. I wonder if there's any last minute things you want to say really fast. Are there any hyper specific scenes you imagine we're going to get? I am concerned that I have put too much of my hopes and dreams into my predictions and this will in fact just be House on Haunted Hill or maybe even at best House on Haunted Hill but with actual ghosts. I guess I guess my idea kind of is a montage fuck. You're talking about the scene where like the stoner and the dog run through one door and then they run out the other door on the other side of the hallway and then they run back across the hallway from the other door and then the monster runs across. it's it's Scooby Doo. I would I would love to have any reference to Scooby Doo in this and now I'm going to be fucking like just <laughs> laser eyes looking for this shit. But uh I'd like to see like a quick like showing of like a bunch of different like she's running the hotel and it's actually got like some degree of business and people come in and she's like having like you know sort of some maybe not wacky but like you know it's, it just shows the ennui of a difficult day running a hotel as she's trying to sleep she's awakened by these creatures lurking in the dark and that's what gets her investigation started i'd love to just feel that juxtaposition i would love it to be wacky like i'd love it to be faulty towers but with a ghost upstairs i think that would be really cool i have a couple of things for you since we've already made all of our predictions we're all done we're, we're good safe honest god-fearing boys all right i can just give you the big cool reveal so if anybody doesn't want any cool reveals i'm not you know uh, this movie was made by director, you know, because you're allowed to know this. Okay. It was made by Lucio Fulci. I love that guy and all of his work. I know you do. Lucio Fulci, if you can't tell by the name, is an Italian director. And that makes this an Italian film. <laughs> Does it, though? That's an interesting question, actually. The genealogy of a film, right? Is it where it's made? The, the actual country of origin? The country that's like... Is the uh, is the studio based in Italy? Or is most of the shooting based in Italy? Or is Avatar an anime? Yeah, like, how do we decide this? And uh, I'm not exactly sure. But even on the, you know, in the short description, it, it does mention this is an Italian Southern Gothic supernatural horror film. So, Southern Gothic. Whoa, 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 whoa. Predictions are over, Buster. No, no, I'm just, I'm now asking because is is not Southern Gothic like a separate thing from Italian entirely? Maybe it might be helpful to tell you where this movie is set in. It is not, sadly, the Scottish countryside. Yeah, no, it's, it's not. It is, and this is purely by coincidence, Louisiana. Bullshit. <laughs> The southern, the southern aspect of the gothic might be in the very, like, American south. Well, that that's what I thought. I, I was pretty sure southern gothic is the, um, you know, fucking, um... Painting with the husband and the wife in their, like, farm. Oh, that is that what that is, isn't it? That's exactly what that is, yes. Fascinating. But it's an Italian film. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, you know, art strikes all of us, you know? It's something we like to imagine uh, when we're appreciating art or American literature or, you know, whatever. As Americans, we're the only ones enjoying it. But in fact, they see this stuff all around the world and it touches them and it makes it makes people think, like, I should make a cool movie about that because I'm Lucio Fulci, the great director. I can be long and beyond. <laughs> <laughs> but I cannot be in Scotland. No, I cannot be Scotland. I can be film, and I can be Louisiana, but I cannot be Scotland. That's about it. Uh, we're gonna go ahead and get into the movie, and, uh, you know, audience, please be seeing for yourself this this film. While we step away, you know, there's gonna be some smooth jazz playing here, because I'm sure the soundtrack to this movie is just smooth, the smoothest jazz. Just, just, just the... You know, I'm, I'm actually, I, I gotta say, and you know, it's uh, far be it from me to be Mr. Judgy Judgerton over here, but if I was the host, I would have uh, figured out how to say see for yourself in Italiano or, or Louisianan. I know in, in Louisiana, it's just a bunch of glugging noises. Just glug, 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 glug. <laughs> <laughs> for yourself. And then in Italian, I'm sure it's just pizza, cannoli, spaghetti, lasagna. Right. A mamma see for yourself. <laughs> it's just, it's... <laughs> Is anybody still listening? Uh, have we offended everybody yet? No? All right. Well, see for yourself then. Guess we'll do another five seasons of this shit until everyone's <laughs> thoroughly offended. Cancel me, please. I dare you. We're like uh, Trey Parker and Matt Stone, but not nearly as smart or well-educated. Yep. <laughs> Fucking hell. We're, we're still doing the fart jokes. Absolutely. Forever and always fart jokes. Fart jokes for yourself. <laughs> Be farting. <laughs>
see fart yourself i'm gonna i'm gonna oh you didn't you didn't want any more takes on that no no that was perfect what are you talking about that was the one <laughs> anytime the word fart is used 10 out of 10 no no reshoots done perfect five out of seven cut print all right let's uh let's call it a day here oh We are back. Why not? Because I said so. That's why not. Have you seen for yourself? We've seen. How many fours did you yourself? <laughs> There's so much to talk about with this movie. Is there? Is there what? Do you have like an entry point that you have for me? Uh, for you, actually. Actually, I have exactly. I wanted to say, is there a scene that skeeved you out the most? Because I know there is. Yes. Yes, there is. <laughs> yes, there is. <laughs> as soon as I so. The deaths are all whatever they are. You know, the costume design or just, you know, the, the practical effects that you love so much are, you know, they're great throughout the movie. And then we get to the library scene and I'm like, oh, he's dead, but he's not dead. And for some reason, hell spiders appear. And I'm like, oh. Yeah, uh, the spiders are a lot for me. I have a very deep arachnophobia. It's very bad when I see spiders. My skin immediately crawls and I sort of like petrify. I stop moving. I freeze up. But that doesn't stop me from like wanting the spiders to live like a happy life and like go out and enjoy themselves. And I'm watching the scene and I'm just like, God, the effects in this are so good. But also, this is my worst nightmare. <laughs> uh, so actually, that'll that'll lead me into um, what I think is like my biggest talking point about this. Was this dubbed like? Like, was it originally in Italian and then dubbed in English or was like the audio for this lost and had to be re-recorded or something? So there's a lot of different, uh, there's like technical terms for this and it's like ADR or ADI. I can't remember. There's an acronym for it. But basically what you do is you film the actors acting and they say their lines as they would say their lines. But then there's like an issue. Actors speaks Portuguese, but you need him to be speaking English for the role. Uh, Sergio Leone is known for doing this, where he'll just have the actors speak their native tongue for the scene, but then later he'll basically dub over them. And it looks really bad, like you can tell when they're doing it, and you can kind of hear it too. They'll try to add in some background noise to sort of make it not sound as bad, to make it sound like there's stuff going on in the in the background. There's like birds chirping and crickets making their little cricket noises. So that means that this was all recorded on site, but it's not. Filmed, you know, how it's filmed, but they do not use the audio from the initial filming or they don't even record audio with the initial filming like they just film it and it can save some money sometimes it can be useful for a lot of different reasons but yes it is very obvious to a viewer that this has been basically dubbed over all right that's fair there were times where like it, it bothered me for you know the various reasons that you mentioned it's, it's very obvious but it's like it's obvious in a way where it's like for a while i was like trying to lip read to see if they because it looks like they're saying the right lines it's just not quite lined up correctly and that's that's fine on its own really that's something that i can overlook you know i can in my head say that this was dubbed in italian and just stop thinking about it but i brought up that scene in particular because it also feels like the foley artist for this particular movie didn't want to lie so i'm going to come back to the spider scene in a second there's a scene either i forget if it's before or after where she's just walking down a hallway to room 36 and the footstep sounds are over accentuated which i liked but we're not lined up with her feet and that's fine on its own i'm gonna cut back to the spider scene because i don't know why the foley artist decided to put horseshoes on all those fucking spiders but those were the loudest spiders i've ever seen so let's talk about fulci and his desire to it's it's hard to say if this is fulci himself or maybe his editor is just like oh god i gotta make this like more just more i, I think more is the word here because it, there was a whole bunch of times where the sounds were exaggerated and i'm not saying that in a bad way i think they were exaggerated to serve a purpose each time they were there and i'm only casually ribbing the horseshoe spiders because i think it adds to the weight of how many spiders they wanted you to think were there as opposed to like the two or three they had or absolutely they had like one real spider and then three like marionette spiders on like fish line or whatever and they wanted you to think that there was a hundred spiders eating this man so 
thought, again, not knocking it. I thought it was funny in the moment. I can see the purpose. And then the hallway walking scene, there just was a, a disconnect, even though it was serving the purpose they wanted it to. Okay, so let me just dive right into like my grand thoughts on this film. I would say that about 90% of it is like, it's fine. It's okay. Like it's it's an all right movie. I, I agree. Almost any shot that had like practical effects being used, immediately 10 out of 10. Just like, holy fucking shit. They really did it. Oh yeah. The opening scene where they're beating the shit out of Schweiss Sh- uh, or what is that his name? I think it's Schweiss. Schweiber or something like that. Something like that. Schwiffer. Yeah, where they're, where they're just beating the shit out of him with that chain. That was great. I don't even think, I guess they just put it in sepia so that way you could be like, oh, this is old. You know, just we didn't have color until the 60s. I actually liked that. I thought that, that was a clear and obvious way to let us know that this is happening in the past. I really like cheap and easy effects like that. No, I, I got nothing wrong with it. And again, I really thought, you know, the, the beating the shit out of Spike with the chain looked good. That 90% of like, it's okay counts for about 50% of my enjoyment of the film. The other 50% is strictly practical effects and the ending. Can we talk about the ending for two seconds? The movie for me. So I agree the practical effects very good. The movie itself, I lost the plot so often. And then I was just generally displeased with this being a haunted house story. But then we get to the ending, which serves the purpose of basically all my predictions for the movie, where I wanted this to be sci-fi, Lovecraftian. Let, let's start with you before, before I gush about what I liked about it. So when I talk about the ending, I literally just mean the last like two minutes. They walk out of the elevator and they're immediately transported into the basement of the hotel instead of like whatever floor they were going to in the uh, hospital. And they're like, wait, this is impossible. That This could never work. We're, we're in the, the hotel now. And then they just keep walking and then they are in the painting and then they keep trying to turn around to go back to where they came and they just turn around and they're back to what they were just looking at then they turn back around and then it's back to the same this is true and profound existential horror yes when i was talking about like how i wanted this to be the beyond is this dimension that you can't quite it all culminated in that and especially since like just before this ending scene the doctor dr pistol whip or whatever dr mccabe is his name mccabe yes who just had the biggest six shooter ever just in his doctor's repertoire. That fucking magnum that he's just got <laughs> on him. Yeah, fuck yeah. Just in case. <laughs> Do no harm, suck my dick. Bah, bah, bah. Right, he's like, well, you know, I I want to I want to be ethical. I don't ever want to autopsy anybody who's not dead, so I kill him myself. But he's just so adamant about like, no, I read your demonology book. I've listened to everything you have to say, and I will not accept anything except a rational response. And then they end up in Cthulhu hell. He's just like, I can't. I I have no rationale to apply to this. I give up, and they get the blind eyes, like the other chick there. I don't know if the blind eyes are supposed to represent people who have given up like if you have just been so completely encompassed in fear and despair that you've given up now then the demons can like take your body and control you one of the best practical effect shots of the entire film when the doctor turns around and fucking explodes the head off of that little girl Ooh, mwah, mwah, chef's kiss perfect because he like he like shoots other people in the head and it kind of just looks like one squib like exploding on their forehead and it's just like okay yeah he shot them there all right cool this girl gets her entire life imploded like just oh god so perfect so good mm, 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 mm. yes 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 please 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 you want to talk about emily yes emily is the uh the girl with the like white eyes that like has made some sort of a deal with the ghosts or demons or whatever they're right, called with the she's got the dog there yeah she has she has dicky the dog that's part of where i thought i was losing the plot because she has that whole scene where it's like they're trying to get her and she's like i don't want to go back dicky get him i don't know if that's as a benefit or a detriment to the film that like they don't explain all the rules here it's probably given the ending it's probably a benefit that we don't know how all this works i am a really really big fan of this is how it is deal with it that's fair i i feel like a lot of the rules are just like they're zombies and also there's like an evil spirit that's taking over people it feels very evil dead or maybe evil dead was inspired by the beyond i'll actually look that up right now 
Uh, actually, um, The Evil Dead came out in the same year as this movie. Hmm. Uh, October 15th, 1981 versus April 22nd, 1981. So just a few months apart, which means that they were probably being made at very close to the same time. I mean, I guess some years just weren't, uh, you know, some years are buddy cop years. Some years are the gates of hell have opened years. Yeah, that's kind of how it works in Evil Dead. There's some sort of malicious spirit that takes over people's corpses and turns them into effectively zombies. In Evil Dead, they're less zombies zombie-like than they are in the Beyond. In the Beyond, they're like shuffling around really slowly, not terribly aggressive until they find something they can kind of beat up and then they beat the fuck out of it and they can only really be stopped by being shot in the head. Evil Dead is more like, there's a demon in this person. It's the exorcism, but like it's actively happening and it can be spread by like contamination effectively. But yeah, it's it's incredibly interesting that they're both so such similar movies. Yeah, super weird that they kind of came out at the same time. That's, that's uh, genuinely interesting to me because I kept thinking about the Evil Dead as I'm watching this movie like wondering damn this movie must have influenced evil dead it came out in the same year just a couple months apart so i guess uh technically the beyond did it first but uh i don't know which one went into production first yeah, th that information is difficult to track down exactly and evil dead was certainly more popular probably because it was an american production whereas this was an italian production with a lot of italian names in it by the way when i'm looking at the cast sheet it's just it's just all italians i feel like your prediction that this was going to be kind of like a scooby-doo sort of story sort of came true especially with uh, Emily and Dickie. When uh, when I mentioned Scooby-Doo and then I turned, I, I started the movie, the fact that we had that like, what would you call that genre of music that we load in with? Because it felt very Scooby-Doo-y. Like the, the, the upbeat jazz or whatever. Yeah, the like grindhouse productions. Like, so th this movie uses a like combination of like jazz and synth. So it's a lot of that like classic 80s horror genre synth that you see a lot for the time. And then the sort of music that you would associate with New Orleans or Louisiana in general. And it's just sort of going back and forth between the two, which feels really fucking cool. For sure. There's just times where it's it's very happy, upbeat, you know, flower child jazz feeling, but then they've got like the synth backing it up with spooky music. I cannot speak to exactly what like led that decision. I know that synth was a very popular choice for horror movies at the time. And I know that uh, jazz is associated with Louisiana a lot. So maybe it was something about that. I don't know. I am wildly interested to know why Lucio Fucci decided on Louisiana here. That's fucking cool as shit. Like, I think it's super cool that they're like, oh no, the building was built on a... And everyone's like, Indian graveyard! And we're like, nope, it's the gate to hell. Is that like a Louisiana thing? I don't fucking know. Louisiana does have a lot of superstitions. And, that, and that's just largely because of how many times it's changed hands over the years. You know, they've got Spanish superstitions and French superstitions and, uh, you know, some like Haitian Creole superstition. It's just everybody basically like had their hand in that pie. And so they've got superstitions from everywhere. And it's even part of the city today. Here's a fun story from my trip to Louisiana. The first hostel we stayed at, we couldn't figure out how to work the locks on the door to the room. Like it was counterintuitive is the best way that I could describe it. Well, we couldn't figure it out right away. And it's like, wow, thank God we're not coming here drunk. We took a ghost tour. And apparently that is the staple in New Orleans is to install your locks upside down so ghosts can't figure it out. That is interesting. There was like that scene where we seem to be following the perspective of a ghost up to a door and then it seems like the ghost kind of gets stuck at the door. <laughs> And then just makes noises outside while uh, Emily is like, I sense a presence. Who is that? Where are you? And she runs away. Yeah, I mean, maybe it's something to do with the lock. Couldn't tell you. Louisiana is full of superstitions and it's it sits on graveyards itself, like big portions of New Orleans itself is built on graves. And so it's just it's just filled. It's, it's absolutely riddled with spoopy stories. I mean, maybe that's just what it is. Maybe, you know, they were like, what's the most haunted place in America? Probably dollar for dollar. It's Louisiana. Maybe, maybe. Maybe that's what uh, drew uh, Fulci to it. Like, he's just like, hey, I'm interested in American folklore. And when you're like, what place has a lot of that? Louisiana comes up like real, real quick. Probably, yeah. It does frustrate me because we talked about this ahead of time. Like, is there going to be a strong female lead? And there really isn't. And it sucks. Right. It's basically instead of having a strong female lead, we have a female fill in until we introduce the male lead. It's so close too, because we have a lot of like working together between 
between Emily and Liza. It feels kind of like two women trying to cooperate with, with each other, which is like one of the better ways to show like feminine strength in a film. Women can cooperate with one another and create more strength than they would have alone. That's a good way to represent women. But then it's revealed that Emily is like a traitor and they don't really go into enough detail about that to make it clear that she wasn't screwing over Liza this entire time. Right. Like trying to set it up so she didn't have to go back to hell or whatever. It, it's also frustrating that really it's uh, Liza spends a big portion of the movie being spooked by things and then providing information to somebody else. Whoever, you know, the skeevy guy that dies in the in the library, she's just like, yeah, I'd, oh no, the spooky book. And, and then he's like, well, don't worry, I'll go, I'll go do the research at the library. And then she can't find the book and, uh, you know, the doctor goes, I found the book you were talking about. And it's, you know, she doesn't do a whole lot on her own. And that's disappointing. Which is weird because I really felt like this movie was going to be woman-centric when, like, Martha gets introduced and she's, like, this brooding, angry lady. And I'm like, fuck yeah, Martha's gonna fuck shit up. And she meets Joe and they have this, like, weird, like... Sexually charged, angsty scene? Yeah, it's either sexual tension or, like, an intent to murder one another. I can't tell. And I love that for their relationship and, you know, for God and everybody viewing. It's just, it's lovely. Martha is my favorite character and she just gets completely written out of the movie almost. Like, she shows up a couple times here or there, but, like, I wanted Martha to be part of, like, the Liza, Emily, Martha trio. And I wanted Joe to have stuff to do, too. And I know. I like Joe as just, like, a salt-of-the-earth dude. And it's, like, basically everybody dies except uh, the doctor. And it's not even, like, I wish the other doctor had something to do because he had that, like, brain machine that he wanted to hook up to the uh, the dead guy. And it's, like, that it really would have been cool to listen to what he had to say on the matter. And he, it's just, like, the next time we see him, he gets shards of glass to the face. But was that not the coolest thing? The window explodes, then it shows the doctor, and the doctor moves out of the way, and then goes back to the window, and then comes back to the doctor, and he's got shards of glass in his face, and I'm just like, yes, yes, God bless. Oh, no, it, the, the scene itself was great. It's just how disappointing that, like, what, what makes the ending so great is also, like, the disappointing part that, like, the rest of the movie is now boiled down to just this. It is very, very difficult to pin down the frustration of, like, wow, we got introduced to characters just to then watch them die. Right, I didn't even get to, like, be emotionally invested. Joe dies, and, like, that's tragic, and then it's like, I just want to see my husband one time, and we had the only emotional attachment we have is that she has taken the time to put him in his burial suit, and then she dies. We don't even get to grieve with her for more than 45 seconds. Fulci does a great job in that scene, making it seem like the acid-blood mixture that's creeping towards the little girl is actually some kind of a threat, and it absolutely is not. Everything we know about science tells us, nope, you're wearing shoes, like, you can absolutely stand in ankle-deep blood acid mixture and be perfectly fine. And yet, in the scene, because of the music and the cinematography and everything, it's like, oh my god, I'm as scared of this blood as I am of, like, The Blob. You remember that movie, The Blob? Yes. You learn over the course of the film that if you get touched by The Blob, it just fucking eats you almost immediately. So, like, I felt that same way about this blood-acid mixture that's coming towards her, but, like, everything I know about diluting a solution should tell me that, like, that's not a, it's not a threat anymore, and it probably wasn't in the first place. I'm glad that they, like, got all their money out of that effect, because they got their money out of that effect in the sepia-toned version, and then in color. So they did effectively the same maneuver with killing, uh, what's his name, Spike. It's effectively the same trick. I think that they could have done more without using biblical references, because the biblical references are kind of just like, uh, I don't know, like, uh... It's to remind you that this is hell, and really, I feel like it would be scarier if it wasn't hell. Yeah, if it was just, there's something there and we don't understand it. That is much scarier than, there is literally multiple books explaining what this is. Right. That's not scary. That's not interesting. That's just, oh, okay, well, if we do enough research, we'll figure it out. Or even if it's not that, even if it's just, I don't know, there's probably some comfort to someone, oh, it's just hell. It's not, it's not something that I'll accidentally fall into. It's just, it's hell. When, when really this could have been like, no, 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 the zombies are, are coming alive because, I don't know, there's, there's this otherworldly place that we don't know what to call it or what it does or what the rules are but it's just uh yeah as soon as you call it hell and and these people are going back to hell and these people we're all gonna end up in hell it kind of normalizes the whole thing and the whole scary point of the ending is that logic has failed yeah i think that is so cool to like put that line like this is impossible like how did this happen i don't understand next to every time we try to turn around and escape it's just more of this and that should not i shouldn't turn around and see the 
the exact same thing and then turn back around and see the exact same thing that's horrifying and it should not that's that's not how the what the fuck that is so good that's that is exactly what we're looking for that's that is the uh you caught the zeitgeist of 2023 if we did this film over again today having a multiracial multi-ethnic multinational cast maybe this all takes place at like the united nations or some shit that'd be cool the, the united nations is one of the seven gates to hell that's so fucking cool inherently that's fucking cool right and everyone there has a different understanding of god and punishment and hell and all these other things and for it to not correspond to any of them yeah like so they're all just trying to explain this to each other and they have their translators there and they're trying to explain it and then maybe that's the only people who get killed is the translators so it's like the tower of babel now everybody speaks a different language and doesn't understand one another and they're still trying to survive just using like human decency to communicate you know this could have been mm, mm, oh oh mm, oh oh by god holy shit oh my lord i'm just making the best movie ever but instead it's just jesus so uh, one other thing that i wanted to bring up and i don't know if this is just of the time or of italian filmmaking but when they wanted to make people look like not the greatest people or just incredibly nervous boy were they wet like they just had the wettest actors the guy looking through liza's stuff for a key just the dampest dude and the front desk receptionist in sepia times where i'm assuming he was just really sweaty because you know it's it's the 80s and a bunch of white guys with torches come storming in he thought he was on the chopping block but yeah just the dampest actors yeah i think that uh i mean that's that's obviously like a purposeful effect right it's very obvious yeah yeah and i think that that's like one of the other failings of the movie is that it feels kind of like this movie is going to be a mystery or something because a lot of the characters behave suspiciously yeah anthony fucking martha fucking joe they're like kind of malicious seeming or suspicious so you're kind of wondering like who's the good guy dr harris is kind of weird oh i really want to put this like brain thing on him <laughs> why dude what the fuck right he's dead i don't know it's, that's why i wanted to see more out of harris because it's like what's his deal is he new age porn stash frankenstein like he's just because it's not even like he did it to any of the fresher corpses. it's not like he went up to joe and was like i just want to see if his brain's still working it's like hey the guy that's been buried underground for six years let's see if he's still ticking he's not he's less likely to be so than joe is this is one of those lines that's like uh it, it's made a lot better if with just like one word of like for my research paper done i get it immediately it makes complete sense like yep you've got to try it on you know maybe it's your control for your you know research study try it out on a really old corpse that gives you a place of zero to compare it with like fresher corpses yeah that makes it seem like a lot more sense as opposed to like i don't know maybe maybe being the autopsy technician at the time was just you know you were it was the wild fucking west where it's like eh, well he's already dead so i mean let's see what happens when i stick my finger so far up his nose you know yeah wouldn't that be neat it, it kind of feels like that's what he's doing here it's like i just want to try out the new toy that we got for the department it's like yeah that's it's for the neurology department and it's like yeah let's try it anyways won't it be fun yeah i also wonder how much money the uh the production had to put into just using this machine at all it's the 1980s a machine that shows like a little green dot that's like moving across a, a screen that's probably like expensive for the time i don't know i'm just like guesstimating i mean yeah this this movie was made in the 80s i mean i'm sure that did they have laser pointers in the 80s they probably didn't i i doubt not cheap ones that were easily accessible right because that's the cheap way to do the effect is to have some dude with a laser pointer behind a little green screen and if they didn't have that and there's no way that like he could make it that steady no he probably could like using... i mean there's a way to do it yeah going across a ruler and then doing a blip there's something there but uh, like, there's yeah. a way to do it but uh, this is all hinged on them having a laser pointer in the 80s was there any practical effect that you were like especially uh, astounded by that you were like wow that felt really good i mean i really liked the spider scene that one was the best to me because some of the other ones i was not the biggest fan of like later on in the movie joe comes out of the bathtub and it just sort of looks like a dude in a mask what else uh i guess they did a really good job with um dicky attacking emily there that one definitely got the biggest what the fuck jump out of me because i again i thought we were learning the rules there and the rules were that like i don't know that the demons can come take you back if if you don't 
I don't know, put someone in your place. Maybe Emily was trying to get Liza to, to take her place in hell and she couldn't do it. So the demons came back together and the dog, which is God backwards, was able to defend her. But then he turns into Cujo and fucking, it, it just, it was very jumpy for me. And I thought it was uh, scary enough effects that I was, I was down for it. Because right before they have the fake dog mouth beating the shit out of uh, Emily, he just looks like the goodest boy. Yeah, he, he really does just be sweet as fuck the entire film. I'm I'm watching this and just thinking, this guy, you know, puts uh, Scooby-Doo to shame. He He's fighting the ghosts himself. He doesn't give a fuck. He's like, yeah, fuck off, ghosts. And then to have him, like, turncoat there. And obviously, it's that, like, these demons are kind of like zombies where they can, you know, transmit the zombie virus to each other. And that must be it. Like, I don't think he, he was a bad dog. He just got infected. You know, what are you going to do? Right, he got infected with demons or something. That's sad and tragic in a way. But the fact that she's like, sick em, boy, go fuck those ghosts up. I'm like, right. hell yes. Get hell him, yes. I was team Dicky all the way. And then just like, yeah, the shit turns south. I, that was probably the most impactful to me on like an emotional level or whatever. But I think the spider scene looked the best. Like there was one portion of the spider scene I did not like where it was like the very first time a spider went to like rip a chunk out of his face. And it kind of looked not the best, but the rest of it I thought looked pretty good. The spider scene does go on for about four fucking minutes, dude. Does it? It does feel like forever. <laughs> Yeah, it's very long. Like, out of all of these scenes, like, the dog biting scene is not, you can't, as far as the parts where Dickie is attacking Emily, it's just a couple seconds. Maybe, let's be generous and say 30 seconds. The spider scene, multiple minutes. Oh, sure. I know you, you've already said that, like, you're a big proponent of this is how it is, and we're not going to tell you anything else about it, but, uh, man, it's just, several times throughout the movie, and especially in the spider scene right afterwards, where it's like, and now the, the architecture draws are gonna go away so nobody knows how the house was built and it's like we don't actually know the importance of that at all yes i agree not understanding why the architecture being one way versus another or whatever is sort of a a dropped ball it's the kind of thing where i imagine fulci is kind of a director who's working on something of a budget here and he probably filmed like two hours or three hours worth of shit and they were like uh yeah we're not using any of the stuff about the architecture you can have the practical effect Effects or you can have the story and he's like but we spent so much money on a on a practical effects he's like lasagna linguine gorolami and they're like <laughs> yes yes we know you and your fancy italian words but you gotta cut one or the other and he's like oh i guess i'll keep the practical effects oh boy. <laughs> i'm a sad lasagna now <laughs> <laughs> it's a me lucio fulci oh. <laughs> So, of course, like, I admire his willingness to just be like, yeah, fuck it. The cool parts of the movie are, are the parts where people's eyes get gouged out and, like, where a guy gets whipped by chains multiple times. Can we, hold on, can we talk about for a second? So the scene where everything's in, like, that, like, yellow sort of grainy kind of thing, where, where that's going on, and, like, it's just people, like, storming this, you know, hotel with, like, torches and chains and shit. Oh, this is clearly in the past. Some poor, poor, nice black man is just gonna be, like, doing his job, cleaning up the hotel or whatever the fuck yeah that front desk receptionist i thought he was gonna get the business dog he just watched them pass by and was like i'll just mind my own business i guess <laughs> <laughs> At least it wasn't me this time. He's like, uh, I listened to the beginning of the podcast where they talked about the black woman in the house, and I don't want to be that. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, they kept on, they kept doing the chain scene. They were like, whack to the face. And then they start dragging him off. And he's like, no, you won't be able to survive without me. And they're like, oh, really? Whack again. And then it's <laughs> like, guys, shut up. They're just going to keep hitting you. I, I really admired the movie's like willingness to show multiple times similar effects, you know? Right. Because like when you have have like a cool effect that you spent some money on you're trying to make it look good you don't really want to show it over and over again to give people multiple chances in the same viewing to pick it up yeah to see how bad it is you know or to pick up pick apart little you know less than idealities about it you know you kind of oh, they were proud of it like they were like no no no, we we ironed out every kink i'll fucking show you how i did it you'll still be amazed exactly that's that's exactly what i'm getting at here man like uh, lucio fulci clearly felt very proud of of his work and rightfully so it looks really good 
good. The blood could be a little thicker. It's a little bit thin. It's kind of watery for my preferences. Even at the time, I feel like there were options to kind of thicken it up a little bit. But, no, uh, that's fair. But I mean, I, I've got less qualms with that than the, um, I don't know, throwing lye on his face, I suppose. It, it kind of looks like they just threw bubbly, bubbly clay at him. Yeah, it could be like anything. You know, cement. You know, who fucking knows? Or just have like a steam effect behind him that was more prevalent. But it's like, I don't know. It kind of looks like they threw clay on him and then threw peroxide on him. Something I wanted to ask you about. Do you think that the metaphor of like loss of sight is meaningful in any way in the story? Or is it just in there as like a thing that people are generally kind of squicked out by? I was willing to take it as like a loss of understanding. You know, you've lost your sight. You've actually lost your sanity or you've lost your your grip on the world or whatever. But like Emily is fairly cognizant. And also they did it to John's daughter. So like, I don't know if they just thought it was a really cool effect. And so they lost you know that got chucked away with you know the explanations of the rules as well and they were just like we're gonna do it again it, i don't know i feel like there was something there and you just gotta eat it i guess there's something to be said for a story that is somewhat and i, I wish they had leaned more into this and i feel like they probably did if we got like a more full version of the story it does seem like a lot of the story is focused on trying to seek the answers like trying to find enlightenment what is the the story behind this hotel what's with the book what's with this schweik character so on and so forth right they are trying to find the answers you know we often use sight as a metaphor for seeing the truth seeing for yourself <laughs> 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 but yeah, like, uh, it is interesting that so many of the characters are either blinded by an attack from the demons or are blind themselves inherently, like with Emily. And I guess technically Emily is blinded by the demons in some way. I mean, I guess being blinded by the demons, like, if they didn't use the hell metaphor, I think blinded by, you know, these other extra planar beings would have weighed more. Like, as soon as, soon as you say they're zombies from hell, them blinding you kind of just it, it doesn't connect for me yeah i think that there's a version of this story that isn't trying to appeal to like american audiences or whatever oh you know we're gonna try to one of our big demographics is americans so what do americans like ah christianity all right let's throw christianity in here and it just makes the story worse i agree i i was gonna ask um because water's also like incredibly prevalent throughout the movie do you think that carries a theme at all like they come in on the boats you know in the beginning and then like the basement gets flooded and people are constantly coming out of bathtubs and acid itself is a liquid i suppose is there something there or is it just like damp zombies happen to be really scary it's very possible that uh so the movie starts off with a fire right so there's like you know he's getting water poured on him to like send him to hell we get that scene where the lady i'm assuming emily but in the past question mark is reading the book and it catches fire and then for the rest of the movie there's no fire and it's almost exclusively water which might sort of like imply the ultimate fate of our main characters where they are sent to hell effectively just like Schweik. I don't know I can't say one way or the other but that is you're you're absolutely right water is a consistent theme throughout to be fair this again is set in Louisiana which has a vivid history of water being a fucking issue it is a, a place that's like surrounded by water and it's constantly touching water and where hurricanes and other water-based issues and there's also another fun fact i'm gonna keep hitting you with these fun facts there are portions of louisiana that despite being land are below sea level and so you can't you can't dig very far there without hitting water the lucio fulci maybe he was just enraptured by louisiana again you know the folklores there and the issues there and just you know a lot of these things like if it flooded in louisiana then you know these these graves were coming up out of the ground that's probably pretty horrific for the time probably led to zombie folklore who knows like maybe this is just maybe i'm looking for a theme and really it's just like no it's, it's a louisiana <laughs> Boy, oh boy, I love a spaghetti. And the Louisiana people, they love a spaghetti too. And so I made my movie in Louisiana, yeah. God only knows. 
<laughs> who, who knows? Um, I definitely don't. I don't think it needed the water to tell the story. Um, I think it. I think it led to some cool effects. It, I don't know. I. I don't know the theme there with water. I. I think you're. You're catching on to one of the problems with Lucio Fulci's filmmaking is the practical effects come first, man. Oh sure. He is very clearly just doing his best to set up really cool practical effects. Like when Joe goes down and he's you know like checking out this little hole in the wall and that hand comes up. already cool effect. We need nothing more cut right there nope keeps going shows the hand digging into his face and then like gouging one of his eyes out and i'm like wow so i also i wanted to bring that up too because the the removal of the eyes happens several times in the movie in various forms and that probably like runs parallel to the contact lens effect there uh, with you know loss of sight and and whatnot it just happened to kill them yep he gets killed that way and also in a very romantic sort of way he kills martha by gouging out her eye. I'm just saying, I'm just saying, Martha and Joe, OTP, one true pair. <laughs> in, in our hearts and in our minds, we love Martha and Joe. I hope they come back for the sequel. The the one that was made in 2017 in, in space. The uh, the space beyond, as it were. Yes. Um, it is. I, I feel like we kind of have to watch uh, 2017's The Beyond just to see if there are any parallels at all. I really hope there are. I really hope that this is just like the streamlined version of how Hellraiser made it to space. Once again, you brought up something I was going to consider bringing up. The parallels between The Beyond and Hellraiser. Just how much of, like, Hellraiser owes its wonderful practical effects to filmmakers like Lucio Fulci and movies like The Beyond. I also feel like Hellraiser did what we want The Beyond to have done. Where it's like, no, 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 this isn't hell. This is the pleasure dimension. Like, if they had done that. Like, if they had done, this is the knowledge dimension. And, and unless you know, because they had even said something like that earlier where it's like you know if you approach the gates of hell but have no knowledge you know blah 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 there's a non-christian story here that i'd love to see and even hellraiser has hell in the name so it's like you're right it does do the thing that we're wanting this movie to do but not completely not 100 percent and i this is probably not it but it kind of feels like they don't have faith in the audience to like recognize there are worse things than hell it's like they, they go through it and it's like oh well that didn't seem so bad well what if it was hell ah <laughs> which is which is interesting because sort of like it feels almost like and i'm not trying to put this on lucio fulci but like it feels almost like this movie is somewhat inspired by king oedipus the character who is most known for having sex with his mother and then gouging his own eyes out after finding out he doesn't die at the end he goes and like explores the wilderness as a blind man suffering the entire time and it feels a little bit like the ending of this movie sort of parallels oedipus and that the characters don't die for trying to figure out the truth they are taken into a wilderness of sorts, hell effectively, and they just explore that area completely blind the entire time. No, that makes sense, especially since I think you've talked to me about this before, where like the story of Oedipus is kind of like how much better his life would have been if he was oblivious. A lot of people choose to read Oedipus as, you know, if he had just chosen ignorance, his life would have been better because his wife, Jocasta, who is his mother, argues that he should just ignore all of this and forget about trying to figure out what the prophecy means and whether or not it's true. And and several times in the movie, it's, well, maybe not several times, at least once, possibly twice, they bring up how Emily has tried to get Liza to just leave. Yeah, it seems like there is some argument for, let's just get the fuck out of here. And like, there is a really cool, we should probably take the time to actually dive into this one of these days. There's a lot of really cool discussion on the evolution of haunted house narratives and how there came a point in haunted house narratives where it was not just leave the house. It was, if you leave the house, it doesn't matter. You're fucking cursed it will follow you and how that has to deal with like the zeitgeist of social issues surrounding home ownership how it doesn't matter if you just leave your home to go and try and find a new one try and find somewhere that you can enjoy living in better you're still going to have all the same issues of home ownership that you had at your previous home and the like the problems surrounding economics of uh land ownership and home ownership there's a lot of really interesting discussion to be had on that and i don't think that this movie is at that point where it's trying to discuss that i think it literally is is there are things that are worse than dying that that's a spooky thing to consider and um really dialed back by writing this as a hell story because hell is awaiting all of us but living in a painting where all you can explore is what you're directly looking at in the painting is fucking mortifying also you're blind <laughs> but hey we are coming up on that time is there anything that you want to say before you know we close this bad boy out before we say i, I believe the italian word is a sayonara uh, Lucio 
Fulci? Uh, uh, say- sayonara for yourself? No, no. I think I think we've touched on everything that um uh, that I wanted to say. Love the Foley artist. Have have some words for the editor who put all this shit together. And stop putting hell in movies. Stop making this easily digestible. Instead, let me digest the other shit that I'm now very hungry for. We are only saying that this is easily digestible for us. There are certainly people across the world who are very unfamiliar with the Christian faith, who are like, wow, this is a weird thing. So their religion just believes that there are seven places on earth where if you go to them, it's an opening to hell. Is that like a real thing in in the Christian faith? That's weird. And it's kind of not, but it kind of is for somebody who's only known, you know, Hinduism their entire life or... uh... I, I suppose if you, yeah, if your religion doesn't involve, you know, the brimstone narrative, like as I'm sure many don't, then it's probably not familiar to you. And so it can be scary on its own that, well, I don't know. If you don't know that, then how do you know that hell is the thing you go to when you're bad? Maybe hell is just like a nice digestible word for something that Fulci didn't want to waste time inventing a word for. I'm sure there are plenty of concepts from other religions or philosophies that I could bring up and that you would be completely ignorant about. Uh, In Confucianism, how long are you supposed to mourn the dead? A year and a day. No, exactly three years years. Oh, okay. In Taoism, how long are you supposed to mourn the dead? Is that one a year and a day? No. Taoism believes that you should mourn exactly as long as you need to, but they lean more on not very long. Mm. I believe Lao Tzu, who wrote uh, the Zhuangzi, which Taoism uses as one of its primary texts, argues that you should only really mourn for about three days. Uh, His wife died, and he was like, I'm so overcome with grief, and it's just so difficult. And then two or three days later, he was like, oh yeah, I mean, good for her. She moved on to something else or nothing or whatever's after this life and what a wonderful thing. Yeah, no, that that's fair. I just, uh, I don't know. I feel like to equate it to hell implies that you're trying to tell the hell story that we understand it as and if it, if you're feeding that to somebody who doesn't understand the hell story, then you could have used anything else. I think it is very likely that they're trying to uh, cash in on the American demographic which would have been big at the time, I imagine. Right, to, to have that, especially since they had, it seemed maybe they didn't maybe there isn't maybe we're just putting it on that movie that uh they had all this stuff that they wanted to use but they had to cut it so they could put all the cool effects in maybe that didn't happen but you know it maybe that was the shortcut they're like ah, we, we lost all this cool technical story stuff what are we gonna do uh, call it hell they'll get it there's a good argument to be had for that maybe they were just trying to save time i mean obviously god bless lucio fulci and the beyond and everything only an hour and 20 minutes maybe they really did want to kind of try to just keep it to that low serial movie yeah yeah just crank one out you know nice and easy and uh maybe that's what it was i mean it was a passable movie i would never call this a bad movie this was definitely an enjoyable horror flick oh my god what did you do let me go ahead and tell you something real fast did you delete the whole episode before we get out of here this movie is part of a trilogy (laughs) bullshit what We did it again, boys! Is this the last one? No, 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 no. We were fortunate enough to not catch the last one. Oh, what a shame, because that would I would love it if that became our MO, if we just start judging movies based off of the last one. Well, uh, actually, this is kind of hard to figure out if it's the last one or not. It is the second film of Fulci's Gates of Hell trilogy after City of the Living Dead and followed by The House by the Cemetery. City of the Living Dead, or The Gates of Hell, as sometimes it is called, was released in 1983 in America, question mark? Whereas The Beyond was released in 1981. But I guess The City of the Living Dead was made in 1980? What the fuck, Fulci? I don't know, but we have a whole trilogy to cover now. Woo! Beautiful. Maybe it'll be explained. Maybe the next one is The Beyond in Space. It's it's not, but wouldn't that be nice? If only. If only we could be so lucky. What if it started in space and then went back to 1980s Louisiana? Honestly, I'd prefer that. <laughs> the zombies are like all like infused with technology and they have fucking like tanks coming out of their fingernails and shit. And it's just fucking insane. And they're like, God, how did we get so far away from the Lord's light? And then it's just flashback to sepia 1981 scenes from the beyond. And they're like, oh yeah, huh. <laughs> That'd be cool. Let's just go ahead and call it a day here, unless you have one last final thing I'm gonna watch it. Not at all, not at all, Mr. Uno Uno. Cleanse the palate. Finish it off. Fucking, I will put the gun inside our mouths and pull the trigger for today's episode of C for your...
And then we and then we die and come back as zombies. As zombies, zombies with contact lenses and space helmets. Yeah, zombies with uh, the ability to explode a uh, a glass window pane into somebody's face just by screaming really loud, or or wind will blow, or just like tapping on it hard, like "Hey, notice me!" <laughs> Explosion. <laughs> Oops, I'm so sorry. Man, this movie was fucking wild. <laughs> Loved it. What a good time. I definitely recommend. A hundred percent. Oh, God. I don't know if you want to do this thing where you just have it fade to black on the outside, but, you know, I found the it's, its place within the trilogy, according to Wikipedia, and it is apparently categorized as a video nasty, this movie is. Really? I did not know what that term was, so I'm scrolling down, and some other films known as video nasties include Gestapo's Last Orgy, I Spit on Your Grave? I suppose. A video of nasty is kind of like an exploitation film. Are you sure? It it seems it seems oh yes, it does say or exploitation film. What's an exploitation film? An exploitation film, and this goes back, a lot of people don't recognize this, but exploitation films have been a part of film history forever. We have always made exploitation films, and they've always been very profitable. People really like them. It wasn't until the Hayes Code that we kind of stopped making them, but only because they were being censored by the Hayes Code. So we don't have as many of them nowadays as we did back in say the 1920s and 40s and but uh yeah it's just a movie where anything that you think of as exploitative you know like naked women guts and gore uh sex uh all, all that stuff stuff that's like sensational is leveraged to make the movie more interesting fair enough and it's not like it's it's not as if like we don't have movies that are wildly successful that don't have exploitation elements to them a lot of people look at a lot of quentin tarantino movies as exploitation films but because they're sort of seen as like very, very popular and artistically valuable, they're not labeled as exploitation films. Exploitation film is sort of a word that we use to mean low art, which is a shitty thing to do because people said that William Shakespeare's work was low art in its time. And now we look at it as high art, which is pretty fucking stupid. Right. I suppose uh, the same thing can be said of Beethoven's work. Apparently he was a rock star of his time and just all of his shit was, you know, when, when an artist looks at something and says that's incorrect or like when a chef says that's not the correct way to do it and but it's still good and people like it like that's just kind of i imagine that's what you're talking about here too yes if it if it's art then it's not exploitative even if it is exploitative what was it after world war ii there was that artist who made like dadaist art where it's art that's meant to be not art yes but we're getting ahead of ourselves let's go ahead and call it a day we've already kind of gone in a little too deep here oh i thought this was gonna be where we fade you know we fade out to well no this is good stuff it's unfortunately gonna make it because it's good unfortunately it's not God about anything it. that works but yeah we fucked up we fucked up oh we did the worst version of what i was trying to do I, I had that cool thing about us killing ourselves and you ruined it you ruined it i ruined it all right uh slow jazz music <laughs> Ta-da! <laughs> 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 <laughs>